Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Great Canadian Songbook, the show where we are counting down to the number one greatest Canadian album. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Wells. Well, I guess I'm technically your co-host because I, I would never uh, want to undermine my great co-host, King Gingrich's <laughs> authority. <laughs> no, you do most of the talking anyway, so I would completely understand. Oh, that I think there's, like a, a, there's a power imbalance here. No, 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 it's good because you know what you're talking about and I Man. don't. <laughs> so I, I am simply the one who talks first. <laughs> that, that's how you assert your dominance, <laughs> I guess. Uh, man, Keegan, how are you doing? We, I know we took a week off and uh, to to strengthen our power um, and to really to really dig in. How, how have you been enjoying those two weeks apart? It's been great. You know, I've listened to a lot of music, a lot of the same music over and mm-hmm. over again. Um, I've rediscovered that I really like sad music, which I knew before, but I've rediscovered it anyways. Mm-hmm. And um, and I realized that the Tragically Hip are also a good band. Huh. The more you I know. know. How was how was your week? Uh, it's been good. I've listened to some music too. Uh, I, I I will say, um, as an addendum to uh, our last episode, I actually listened to Funeral a couple more times, surprisingly, and the album's not too bad. I, okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, too late. Too late to uh, take anything back. And I would never, t- everything I say is correct. I would never take anything back. Um, <laughs> we don't do retractions on this show. No, but it, We're uh, never wrong. It hit. Um yeah, I, I listened to music too. I started listening to this band called Japanese Breakfast um, a couple days ago. They're nice, uh, kind of like uh, like an electro pop kind of. Ah, electro is not the word I'd use. It's kind of uh, I call it breezy pop rock um, in some stages. Mm. Um, my uh, my suggestion is the track uh, "Ooh, Everybody Wants to Love You." Yeah. Uh, good song. Anyways, um, if you haven't noticed, uh, dear loyal listeners, we're going to keep it a little more casual uh, moving forward because we've entered the, oh, every Twilight time zone. I do this, the, oh. the semifinals or the quarterfinals. No, now we're in the quarterfinals. Yes. Yeah. 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 So we're yes. in the quarterfinals now and we'll be uh, addressing bands that we've already kind of talked about extensively in the first place, we figure. We'll keep it a little casual. You already know what's up. You've been you've been listening. You know kind of our major thoughts on these albums. Um, so yeah, I, I've also thought we might as well mention some some music news. Uh, the the big sad news this week is that uh, Daft Punk uh, has broken up after their twenty seven years. This is ninety three, so whatever that math comes out to. To be fair, the last ten years have been fairly inactive from them. But uh, yeah, Daft Punk uh, officially broke up. It's sad news real sad they've been like they've been a staple of like kind of like the electronic community too like in in like a wider sense right like they've been mm-hmm. kind of the 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 pioneers i would guess um amongst others would you yeah, say they they certainly um they they certainly made uh electronic music cool again and i, I remember uh, i just read because i was reading a lot about them uh kind of retrospectives about how they've they, they said that they kind of quote made dis, made disco cool again, um, which I think is a fun way to put it. And yeah, I would say um, if if you're curious about um, a a very clear depiction of uh, Daft Punk's influence on on music in general, uh, you should check out their 2006 Coachella performance. Um, I was reading a lot, and people really um, give credit to that performance as like popularizing electronic dance music um worldwide so i and it's a it's an intense performance uh there 
the, there's quite the pageantry to their show. Um, so yeah. And also like the notable collaborations with like Kanye West and the weekend of great Canadian songbook fame. <laughs> um, yes, that's yeah. what he's famous for. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's they've certainly underpinned, um, a lot of popular music in the past 20 years. And then, um, I mean, those influences carried through, um, till now. So yeah, Daft Punk. I've, I've been listening back to some of their music, a really, really good band. Um, very popular um, score, or I guess soundtrack, depending on how you want to put it, to Tron Legacy. Um, oh. Basically carries that movie, in my opinion, for the most part. Um, I like that movie, but um, the, the music is what you're there for, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and yeah, their famous, their probably most popular album is Random Access Memories, which came out in 2013, which is, I guess, technically their last album. Um, some great guest features. My favorite is... Uh, Instant Crush featuring Julia Casablancas of The Strokes. I'm a huge Strokes fan, and he that's just a sad, sad electronic song. Um, yeah, that, that's that's us talking about the news, I guess. I don't know. I we were talking about Daft Punk before this, and then um, now here we are talking about it still. But yeah, sometimes it has to happen. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta talk, yeah. Um, obviously, not Canadian band, they are very, very French, so um, we won't uh. We'll talk too much about them because we've got a we've got a bit and we've got to commit to it, um, and yeah, and the commitment to that bit takes us to this week's matchup, which has been this is this is when things start going down, uh, in my opinion. <laughs> we've got we've we've introduced all of all of the albums, we've lost quite a few along the way, um, but now we are really getting into it into the quarterfinals and our matchup this week is the tragically hips fully completely and it's Lance Morissette's jagged little pill. And as we've talked about this kind of going forward, what we, what we want to do. So, so this, so this episode isn't like five minutes long where we say this one, we've already talked about the, <laughs> those albums twice um, in some cases, or I guess actually not, not in this matchup, but in some cases we'll, we'll have talked about those albums twice already. Um, we can talk a little bit about the albums, but, uh, I think we're also trying to dig deeper a little bit and kind of go into the rest of their careers while maintaining that this, this competition is between the respective albums that we've chosen. But, um, as we've discussed previously, we're, we're already pulling, um, from a larger pool than just the albums, uh, in the first place. So we're going to talk about it in a little more detail. Keegan, um, do you want to kick us off Hi. with maybe, I guess we'll hop right into, uh, the hip and, their whole thing by whole thing i mean long and successful career <laughs> yeah hey it's actually really interesting if you put them in comparison now um their their time frames are about about on par now um 30 years give or take um within obviously different contexts um with Atlantis's most recent album coming out in 2020 and obviously the hips last album came out i believe in 2016 yeah, um, the famous not famously, but like obviously Atlantis is like still making music, whereas the hip disbanded after Gord Downey passed. Yeah, yeah. So you you've got uh, you've got the same sort of um I guess period to look at. With the hip, I mean, um I've talked very fondly of them already in this show. Um in our one episode, I guess we talked about them. And probably at varying points throughout this, I've probably yeah, just brought them up <laughs> yeah. regarding like like anything. If we were talking about Blue Rodeo, I'd go, well, <laughs> well, you know, the tragically hip. And um, so it, no surprise that we've kind of ended up here, um, I guess, in the in the final 
I guess it would be the final eight. Um, if I'm doing math correctly, I'm also not good at math. Anyways, who knows? As evident, we're, also, not, we're also very bad at the uh, the actual bracket part of this bracket challenge. <laughs> uh, That's been the biggest struggle about getting this entire show together. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, um, it fully completely, this came out, uh, this album was 1992. Um, it's kind of bookmarked um, by two other really great albums for the Tragically Hip. Um, it's it's interesting because we talked a lot about how bands have a like a period of like just greatness where they you know they'll go in and they'll just make a couple records back to back where it's just just killer. Um, I think of I'll, I'll think of other bands that we're going to talk about. I think of Rush from like that seventy six or like seventy five seventy six to like eighty one eighty two period where they just knocked mm-hmm. it out of the park every single time um i think even neil young if you want to look at like the early 70s like kind of late 60s into the early 70s really just knocking it out of park and prolific those. too they're putting out album after album yeah and, there, and like and there's not like well maybe there's a bad track on some of those albums but like for the uh, for the most part when you look back in retrospect you go wow like they really that was their period um and for the hip, I think I think that falls into the same category. Honestly, I think their their period of about eighty nine to to around ninety four ninety five, um, they really just they came into their own and they really just knocked it out of the park. Um, I'll say quickly, um, their later works typically they've had some I, I think some popular songs here and there, but for the most part, you'll find that that I think that range is probably a good consensus of when they really really do it well. Um, I kind of write off their their first EP, although it isn't bad by any means. It's actually a really strong first EP. Um, it's not not their best work up to here. 1989, really great. Um, I think Road Apples was 91, if I'm doing my math correctly, um, and then fully completely 92. So um, I, I'm definitely rambling with the the context of everything, oh, but no. I, I do just want to say that fully completely is a. Uh, a fantastic record, especially bookmarked within Road Apples. And I believe, um, Jackson, help me out here. Day for Night. Day for Night, um, which are really <laughs> fantastic records. Um, I've been listening to this album front to back every night. I've been out on the rink. Um, we have one in our park. I've been skating around, shooting some pucks, listening to Fully Completely. Um and it's really got How that else? luster. What else would you do? I mean, like, really, I've got a beer in one hand, you know, I take a break, you know, go on shooting some pucks. So I'm really hitting the stereotype on the head there. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I can't say enough about this album. I'm a huge fan of it. There's no secret there. Um, so I'll, I'll leave some of my thoughts for a little bit from now. But Jackson, I'll let you take it away now here. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll, I'll talk in context. Obviously, um, if you haven't noticed, like Keegan clearly has the kind of more like comprehensive knowledge uh, of the hip. But for me, what I found actually really interesting listening to this album is uh, um, it's been funny. I I'll listen to this album like on Spotify on my laptop and um, I just have like the autoplay on. Um, so whenever like the, the album finishes, it just rolls into like just random songs from the hip for the yeah. most part. I listen to them. I'm like, Oh yeah, this one. And it's just from like a random album uh, from like a couple years before, a couple years after. But like, I, I, I still know the songs and this is like, maybe doesn't sound super mind blowing, but like, I'm not like a big hip guy. So to me, when like uh, Bob Kikion or something like that comes Bob on, I'm, yeah, I'm like, yes, this song, <laughs> I know this one. Um, or New Orleans is Sinkin, like, yes, of course, uh, a, a classic. Um, 
Head by Century even. Um, they've got like hits throughout, mm-hmm. um, which I think is is something that maybe we'll talk about with Alanis later. Um, like in their later stuff, it gets a little different, but um, they like even in kind of like, I, I think we've agreed that like fully completely is the album is what we picked it in the first place. Um, but like with the hip, I feel like we could have made some, some other choices here that would have also uh, been worthwhile. Um, I think it's interesting to just to, to note out anecdotally, like looking at um, their popular tracks on Spotify, just because I was looking at it to refresh my memory. It's, it's diverse. It's from a couple different out. Al- it's from several different albums. Um, they're kind of like, they, they have depth in their catalog, which um, is kind of maybe the, the main point I'm trying to get across. And I'm, I was really impressed by like, this is, this is just turning on Canadian radio. If, if you, if you hit the hip, like all those hits um, are one of those things where maybe like now it wanes more and more where people don't listen to the radio, but like I was still listening to the radio when I was younger and like, yep. you listen to those Canadian stations. These are the, these are the songs that come on. And um, there's a lot of Canadian bands, like Canadian radio could be playing anything, but they're, they're playing the hip because like, they're good and they're like they have like a, a diverse set of hits that are all really good songs um so yeah i guess my kind of main point looking beyond fully completely is that they've got they've got they've got hits all over um and by hits i don't necessarily mean like successful songs but like songs that i like mm-hmm. um because i'm very selfish and good means good for me <laughs> I actually, I, it's funny when you were talking, I was just scrolling through trying to find some patterns and I noticed that their, their ones and their threes on each album are typically their hits. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll start from 2006 and World Container. I just want to point this out just because I thought it was funny. Um, You're Not the Ocean is not as popular, but number three is In View, the third track, and that's probably their, their best of that era. Um, I'm going to skip all the live stuff because live stuff. They're... Their number one on Music at Work is Music at Work, which is the most popular song from that album, 2000. Their number three is Lake Fever, which I argue is their second biggest song from that album. Go down to Phantom Power, 1998. You've got Poets as their number one song on the album. Um, three, Save the Planet. Doesn't really fit the pattern, but I'm going to roll with this anyways because I've already started. Um, <laughs> if you go to Trouble at the Hen House, Gift Shop is number one, which I would argue is one of their best songs. Number three is Ahead by a Century. Probably Day their most Night. popular song. Oh, absolutely. Day for Night, their Great number song. one is Grace 2, which is, again, the best on that album, I think. Number one and three on Fully Completely. I'm rambling here, but Courage is number one. And At the 100th Meridian is number three. Road Apples, number one is Little Bones. Number three is Cordelia. Number one on Up to Here is Blow It High Doe. Number three is New Orleans is Sinking. Anyways, I just noticed that pattern yeah. and it really caught me. <laughs> um, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. But no, um, no. yeah, no, the, the thing about the hip, I think that, and in part, I think their popularity amongst Canadian radio too, which has done them a great justice, is the fact that they've they've done so well across so many different albums um and while they have their stronger albums they they still have a few really solid tracks that everybody knows across their entire catalog which i think is really Mm -hmm. important um and really really cool i think it's also maybe one of those things of of being a band that was around in the 90s where you just put out albums that's just what you do and they maybe carried on that kind of idea or maybe they had a couple songs that they should have put out um, and the rest 
maybe not so much, um, but you just, you just put it out because that's what you do as a band. Um, Whereas maybe if you're coming up now, you you could release a single or a small EP or two. And that's like a legitimate way to be a successful artist. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe maybe they ran, they didn't run out of ideas, but they didn't have as many full, they didn't have 12 full ideas um, every time, but they put out albums and I didn't. So who, who are we then? <laughs> I guess that's kind of what we're, what we're doing here is judging. So that's okay. Uh, yeah. Um, that's kind of, I, th- I think that's, we've discussed in the entirety of the tragically hip there. Uh, good job. <laughs> if, unless you have anything else to say, we can maybe talk a little bit about Atlantis. Um, well, one thing I'll say quickly, just to kind of, to, to shift it over is that interestingly, the two albums that we have picked, are both the only albums for each artist that have been uh, remastered mm-hmm. um, into deluxe versions. Like both Jagged Little Pill and Fully Completely are both their only albums that have been remastered, uh, which I found uh, super interesting. Um, and yeah, I just thought that was a cool thing to to see. And I guess we're kind of maybe on the money in terms of popularity um, in terms of those albums. I think we're definitely uh, kind of reading the room right on those. So um mm-hmm. yeah let's go into Atlanta. sure why not yeah i um i'd like to hear from, from you from you for this but um i i will say um i didn't listen to a ton of Atlanta outside so take a little pill and that's partially for the reason that um maybe i should give it a shot but none of her stuff outside of jagged little pill is like nearly as successful or popular um as that album partially because that album is like one of the most popular albums of all time. And it's kind of hard to top that, but also mm-hmm. I get the impression that maybe none of her works have quite lived up to that. And um, maybe that's unfair of me because I haven't listened to it. Um, but the reason why I haven't listened to it is because no one's telling me to listen to anything else. Like all of her big hits are from that album. Um, and yeah, but I know you have, so I'd like to hear um, actually about it as opposed to me just going on about how I didn't listen to it. Yeah, no, you've kind of got it like right on the money there, honestly. Um, She had two, I guess, two albums, but I kind of consider them more EPs before Jagged Little Pill. Not even also very different. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not even like like we're talking. Um, who's another person who was kind of like that? Uh, Was it Shania? Or there's someone else, someone who like leaned really heavy into like being a pop star, and then that didn't work out. I think it might have been Celine, actually. Now that I think about it. Anyways, regardless, um, I, I just noticed a similar pattern and we talked a lot about the third album, um, which is funny. And this obviously is the third album. I think fully completely is also the third album. If you don't count their beginning EP. Um, yeah, I mean, putting into context the rest of her work, um, su- supposed former in- infatuation junkie is her next album after that. That's 1998 released 13, sorry, 11 days before I was born. Um, and, uh, that one's got thank you on it, which is another really big song was huge on the radio. Um, but short of that, to be honest with you, um, there's not much, like uh, I would say popular media attention for the rest of her work. Um, you've got under rug swept 2002. Um, it went number one, like everywhere. Um, and it did really well. Um, but it just, in terms of like listening power, I just didn't get the same thing from it. Um, so-called chaos flavors of entanglement, um, our next two albums, they do still pretty well, but not to the same level. 
Um, Havoc and Bright Lights does number one, I think, in the U.S. and Canada, 2012. I'm looking at stats, by the way. I'm not just doing this off the top of my head. Uh, And um, again, that does pretty well, but just not to the same extent. Um, I think it only sold like 92,000 copies in the U.S. in the first week. Um, Shows you you how much digital sales have changed where you can get a number one album off of uh, 92,000. It's so crazy (laughs) if you look at that. And that's a whole other like conversation in itself Mm -hmm. about record sales. Um, But her most recent album came out July 31st, 2020. So last year, Such Pretty Forks in the Road. Very much a ballad album. I actually liked it. I listened to it um, just before this. Um, I'm I'm going on again, but I, I, I really mean to say that like, it's not, I don't even think that the rest of the records are bad because I listened to a couple songs from each album. I don't even think it's bad. Um, it just doesn't have the the same uh, oomph to it and the same power, I think, that Jagged Little Pill does. Mm-hmm. And I think a part of the the quality or like our, the perceived quality of songs too is popular reaction and how they do um, amongst the general public. It's very clear that the rest of her other records just weren't the same and they were still going platinum and gold mind you so like they weren't doing poorly Mm -hmm. by any means Mm -hmm. um so you know it's still good um but it just doesn't have that same power and to be honest with you um alanis this is a conversation we were kind of having actually at dinner um and we're talking about you know canadian artists versus canadian artists who become multi-market artists Mm -hmm. um and with the hip obviously very much so like uh, they've got their niche their canadian artists but within alanis you know we claim her as as canadian uh but she did go into other markets and i think that's why she did so well in you know she did well in those markets jagged little pill obviously being the the height of that Mm -hmm. um yeah, I, I, I'm not going to offer too much more uh, other than that, just because I, I don't want to, for the sake of rambling, I don't want to go mm-hmm. too far into it. Um, but yeah. but Jagged Little Pill is certainly the the right choice and definitely the the, the album amongst her general work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, have, I have a couple different notes that, that I've thought of while you were talking. The first one is, is I looked, and I don't know how telling this is, but there are five different versions of Jagged Little Pill on Spotify, um, all released at different times. So maybe what does that say about kind of trying to continue uh, on that success. Um, I think that's a little telling. Um, my other two notes um, are actually kind of similar. It's, I think Atlantis, particularly in 1995, is like 100% a right place, right time kind of thing for her, where um, the kind of like grungy adult alternative, like rock scene, uh, particularly like, women-led was like very popular in that time mm-hmm. um the the kind of like a little fair crowd um is super popular around then and then like three years later four years later they just drop off the face in terms of like popularity and uh, like her next album comes out three or four years later which is like the exact opposite of right place right time uh, for her mm. now, obviously saying this her next album went three times platinum um which is obviously a success but i think um and that comes across as my my next point which is um purely like guessing i would guess her demographic is one that follows her very closely um it would be like people who were there in 95 really hyped about jag little pill um, and kind of is similar to her age and have kind of grown with her um, 
in age uh, and they followed her along. And that's also the crowd that still buys CDs and um, buys albums. So I think that kind of may, may speak to her, her longevity in whatever form it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. This, this is all nuts to in any way, like discredit her, like fantastic work, especially specifically on Jagged Little Pill. Um, she's obviously had a, a successful and happy career, but I think, um, her like kind of days as a celebrity, um, are very specific to the time period in which Jagged Little Pill came out. Um, and it's similar with like all music in like the mid nineties, like, like Nirvana, like just doesn't like, I, we, Nirvana's always a touchstone. That's just because they are <laughs> the musical cultural touchstone of that sign. But like, uh, like Nirvana, um, uh, how do I put this? They stopped making music at the right time for that band because, like, well, <laughs> they didn't really have a okay. choice. But like, let me yes. let me let me explain. But like that <laughs> that band, if they keep going for twenty years, like it, it doesn't really make sense anymore. Right? No, you're right. Um, and they they fit very strictly in that time frame. Um, and Alanis kind of is is similar in my opinion, except like she continues. Yeah, continues to live, um, and therefore continues to make music. So, um, uh, I think she's she's an interesting case um, of like she's just so 1995 in my opinion. Yeah. Um, she's fantastic in 1995. It's just that doesn't have longevity in my opinion. No, you're you're totally on to it there too. And I just did some quick research while you're talking about it too. Um, Garbage, notoriously female-led vocalist. Uh, their their self-titled album came out in 1995. Um, no doubts, Tragic Kingdom, 1995. Um, the Cranberries, No Need to Argue, 1994. So like, no, like it's it's just funny because you're like a hundred percent on. Like it's it's without a doubt like you're on. I think the Shania Twain album we talked about was 1995. Um, Cheryl Crow had put out her like big album in '93. It's within the margins, right? Like you're you're yeah. totally you're totally on to it. Um, and I know I do this every single episode, but I'm going to compare her to Blink 182. And you know, you think about like like if you were to think about Blink 182, what's the time period you think about like roughly? That mid nineties, mid nineties, kind of like early two thousands, kind of which yeah. ninety seven to two thousand three, I would argue, is their, you know, their thing. And at what point too, like, do you do you look at a band and you go their next album, the sales of that album are a hundred percent just riding on what they did with their last album. It doesn't even have to be like they can have a single out three weeks before the new album comes out, and it can be like a pretty good single. And everybody's going to go out and buy that record. And then they go, oh, fuck, this is trash. You know what I mean? Like, so, so I, I don't even know if like the follow-up album to like the album can be like used as a margin of, of, of success, because I think like, like diehards will go and buy the album anyways, and it's still going to sell the hell out. Mm -hmm. But it's, if you can keep that consistency and like, not, not to, not to, dis again, not to discredit her at all, but the popularity of her songs I don't think that continues. I think I think it's like um, how I'll use a video game reference here. Like Rockstar keeps beating the dead horse of GTA five for nine years mm -hmm. and trying to release that on every other system because they know that it worked. It's kind yeah. of like remastering Jagged Little Pill and making it into a Broadway thing. It's not to say that it's bad because also Broadway. What the hell? Um, but like, <laughs> you know, it's not to say that it's bad, but it's recognizing that you did something great. And I don't know if the recognition that that's going to happen again is going to to come along right it, it's it's so tough to like 
I, I, I don't want to say it's a hard life to be a successful uh, recording artist, but like <laughs> drowning in success. <laughs> yeah. Like you put out one of the most popular albums of all time. Like what do you do next? It's hard. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and so I want to I, I want to ask you something, too, because I think this is something that I don't think we've ignored it recently, but I think it's an important thing when we get to this stage. Mm-hmm. Culturally, for for Canada, if we're mm-hmm. talking about Canadian music, like I, I kind of mentioned before how like the hip are notoriously like a Canadian band and Alanis is notoriously like just a musician. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, yeah. y- you know, I think once you break into a certain market, you just become an artist and not tied to something specific yeah um, like if i talk about leonard skinner they're an american band but they're they're there's they belong to the south mm-hmm. you know like that's that's who they belong yeah. to if you talk about the tragically hip they're a canadian band but they belong to the north mm-hmm. um and and so i i'm curious to know your take on on cultural implication um yeah what that means in this context yeah i i think um I think it's interestingly one of those things that we very selectively decided to care about, uh, <laughs> at least in the early stages, especially because some some of the early albums, there was like, like no contest really. Like it was, it was hard mm-hmm. to be like, well, neither of these albums were recorded in Canada. What do we, what do we do? <laughs> um, yep. But I think we um, do have a unique circumstance here where um, it's hard, hard to get a band more Canadian than the Tragically Hip. Um, and I think that's certainly, um, relevant. Honestly, this is a question that is asked basically everywhere in like Canadian communications, particularly, but also Canadian cultural studies. Um, it's like, what is, what does it mean to be Canadian? And they, they trick you by asking that question the first day of first year, because there is no answer. Um, it's impossible to tell. Um, it doesn't mean that you like Canada. I don't know. I think you can live in Canada and not like Canada. I think there are many things not to like about Canada. Um, And like, what does it mean to be successful in Canada? Well, if you don't have the means to be successful in Canada, who am I to blame you for going to a larger market and like catching that bag? Um, I'm not. However, um, I do think there, there is some sort of, some sort of tenet um, to Canadian-ness and I, I don't know, like, it's hard to, for me to like say into words what those like signifiers are, but whatever they are, the tragically hip has it um, very clearly. I think you could easily say they reference Canada in, in their music. Uh, they are a successful Canadian band. I think it's easy to um, be like they weren't successful in America, therefore they are Canadian. Um, and I don't know, like they live in Canada and they continue to like work primarily in Canada. Um, Mm. But I don't think that's like hard and tight rules, but I think there are always factors to, uh, to consider. And when it comes to Alanis, um, I think she, um, I guess, I guess I shouldn't speak, but uh, I'm just double check here. Yeah. She's like, she, she, she's that, that jagged little pill is like a, like a global thing. And, Mm she kind of continues to exist in kind of just a generic North American market rather as um, a Canadian. Yeah. Well, and that's, and so that's what the conversation always becomes, right? Like it's, it's where does, where does the cultural impact intersect with global popularity? Because objectively, if you look at both of these albums, Jagged Little Pill is insurmountably more successful 
than fully completely by the tragic tragically yeah, hard, you know hard like to, hard to argue that it's hard to argue that anything is more successful than jagged little pill you know like it's it's just a benchmark um it, it really sets its own standard but then you look at it from the cultural context you know i'm holding up a book i got a uh, barometer rising by hugh mcclennan a canadian author and you know courage for hugh mcclennan uh that song's all over the airwaves um at the hundredth meridian specifically it references a lot of canada um Looking for a place or a place to happen. Um, I believe it's got some reference in there too. Locked in the trunk of a car refers to the FLQ in Quebec um, in 1970. Um, Fifty uh, Mission Caps about 50, like the Leafs. Yeah, Bill Barocco on the Leafs. Wheat Kings is about uh, what's his name. Um, I can never remember his damn name. We learned about him in high school, and I feel like a bad person for not knowing his name. Um, I'm gonna pull it up just because I'm lazy. Um, yeah, but there... you know, so it. <sighs> Where does it, uh, David Milgard um, and, and everything and his freedom for for being falsely accused of of, of killing uh, someone uh, back in the 60s, I believe. Um, anyways, um, my point in saying all that is that like it's so like it's just distinctly like th yeah. the songs are what they are because they're Canadian, but successfully and by a completely different margin, Jaggy Little Pill sets the standard. Yeah, it's um, it, it's like in it. It's hard to have this kind of nuanced conversation about what makes a Canadian artist when the most Canadian artist is staring you directly in the face <laughs> um, in the hip. But um, so, yeah, it's it's tough. It's the same same way as like um, watching the weekend go up and do that half bowl or not half bowl. Half bowl. <laughs> this is, that lets you know how much I care about so football, <laughs> the Super Bowl <laughs> halftime show. And you're like, ah, yes there's my guy that's my canadian um and like yes but also yeah. the weekend doesn't like belong to canada really um no. he is uh played around the world um he was in a 50 shades movie i think maybe that'll be our um that'll be our benchmark yeah <laughs> um, if you can get into a 50 shades movie that's how you know you're good other than that you're written off you're canceled yeah um so yeah and then even like I won't get into the half halftime show, but like, yeah, it's what is Canadian. Literally, we mentioned this in the first episode, um, <laughs> and I don't know. It's hard to tell, but there's one thing I know: the tragic hip is incredibly Canadian. Yeah, it, it, it's it's I don't know. It's just like it's. I'm trying to like vocalize like, because I I think simply referencing like a country is like pretty clear that you know what's going on in canada um but like i i feel like there's more to it it's just articulating it has been hard yeah and you know it's it's just one of those things where like like I, i'm i'm trying to rationalize a case for alanis because i i i think when i think about canadian identity i'm like ah like you just can't beat the hip because like it's just ingrained you know what I mean? I think next week, arguably, it's going to be more difficult, a lot more difficult, I think, than this conversation, in my opinion. And that's hard for me to say because I just know the reality of what that conversation is going to look like. Mm -hmm. um, and I can see you going, oh, <laughs> and, double, um, double checked. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it's I my 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 gut, you know, always leans towards if we're talking about Canada, like there's just names that come to mind. Right. And, and mm -hmm. I think the hip are one of those. I think Rush are one of those. I think, you know, more recently, I think the Arkells have become um, a part of that conversation, too. Like there's just names that you associate. Mm -hmm. um, 
I mean, I actually the best case in terms of size that I'll maybe compare it to is like if you think of Irish music, name the two bands you think of right away. Um, the Eurythmics and the Cranberries. I think those are both Irish. Oh, that's gonna be really awkward if they're not. Well, no, you're you're right. Cranberries are definitely Irish. The Eurythmics, I'm not too sure, but um, <laughs> like the Cranberries are that conversation, right? I would have said you too, but um, yes, yeah, yeah. So there you go. But uh, like Codaline, I think, is another one that I think they're Irish, too. But you just think of names. I, I think of Ireland because like it's a smaller music market, kind of similar yeah. to Canada. And like that's kind of my, where my head goes. Um, so, I mean, you know, but I'm sure that if you were to, for example, I'm just throwing stuff at the wall here. If you were to have a conversation about the top 24 Irish albums of all time, you might make a case for for some musicians against others. But ultimately, your conversation is probably going to come down to you, too, and the Cranberries. You know, like, how do you get away from it? Yeah, it's um, I think there's also something to um, the Tragically Hip being such a it's it's like a it's like the snake eating itself where like they are Canadian <laughs> because they are Canadian because they are Canadian. They've become more Canadian yeah. in terms of popularity. Um, it's one of those where, like you plant the kernel and then like the quote unquote, the culture kind of runs with it. And like, you think of how like governments as well are like building and promoting culture. And I'm sure Justin Trudeau was like a fan of the tragically hit, but like he made a super big deal about that final concert, probably because he's a fan, but also like he looks at this major Canadian band and goes, this is Canada. We can share this with the world and prove that we are singularly important in this uh, musical world as well. Um, yeah. So like the creation of culture is both like a, a product of like people doing things, but also the idea that like we need to have a culture and therefore someone's got to put it together and the, the hip is there and you just like, they get catapulted um, through, um, through through government it's, it's in some ways cycle, even yeah. Uh, yeah even even through like the, the radio which has obviously greatly helped their popularity yeah and like what were the numbers of um of that cbc show um tragically it's, it's like a third of the country watched that I, i'm or pretty something sure it was like, like yeah it was in the double digits of millions i'm pretty <laughs> sure um it, I, I think it was something like, ele- sorry, 11.7 million Canadians. There's about if 33 million in the out, world. Yeah, if we're averaging it out, we're about a third of the population. Like, come on. Like, it, it not so not to discredit Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. but if she had a final concert like that, I would say she'd probably get a couple million viewers. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, 11.7 yeah. million? Dude, Rush wouldn't even get that if that, they if they would have known. Hockey, you know what I mean? Hockey like, numbers. That's like dude, um, that blows hockey numbers out of the water. That's yeah. like Olympics level. Yeah, that, that, that's that's right? what I meant. That's I'm oh, okay, thinking of the 2010s Olympics. Yeah, it, it, I think that was actually like 16 million or something. Like it was <laughs> stupid. Um, but you know, so so you place it in that context, and I mean, like I I'm I'm essentially just kind of talking myself in circles right now, and I think you might you mm-hmm. might be kind of yeah, doing, doing the, the same. same as well. Yeah, but you, you know, it's just. It's it's not even unfortunate. I was going to say it's unfortunate that that's like how the conversation becomes, but it is like that's just the way it is, right? Like uh, uh, someone becomes so tied to national identity. Like I think there's even like a yeah, there's a Scotiabank commercial that I absolutely despise right now that uses a head by a century, like a dumb cover of it. And I hate it. I despise it. But, you know, it's talking about, oh, helping Canadians and this and that. You've got Tragically Hip playing in the background. And it's like Scotiabank, all, which is, yeah. you know, it's it's. 
it just fulfills itself. So I'm going to leave it at that. I, I I think that's kind of gotten my point across. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jackson, what are your, your thoughts? No, I, I 100% agree. Um, I just think I've become more and more fascinated by like the um the tragically hip being used as like a tool to promote canadianness by like the government i think is very interesting and like as a tool to like sell insurance or whatever banks do oh i hate it, I hate <laughs> it so much i hate it so much um, for the record it's it's um it's very interesting um but yeah i um i it, the answer's got to be fully completely here uh, yeah. it, it also uh, I don't think we have to go back and talk with the music because we've done we did that already. But like oh, that album's obviously great. Um, yeah, they, they both are. Um, we we talked about those before, which is why we're not like doing it right now. Yeah, and and it all depends on context, right? Like I, I think you know if you're talking about uh, the great like this is a super like semantic category, but like you know you talk about the the greatest North American albums of all time. You know, as soon as you take the Canadian context away from it, Jagged Little Pill takes it. Mm-hmm. You know, because that if you're having a different conversation, it's an entirely different thing. But as soon as you're putting national identity into it, you, there's just groups that you can't get away from. The same with like if you're talking about, you know, the United States, you're talking about Springsteen, you're talking about Leonard Skinner, like those are the groups that you talk about. Right. And, yeah. and so it's and, and once you change the context, the conversation changes. Yeah, 100 um, percent. So, yeah, I, I, I mean. I think we've we've decided that it's fully completely over jagged little pill. Um, an interesting interesting conversation. I, th- I think I think this is this is a pretty good format to take for this because yeah. um, we're talking about albums. We're also talking about bands and like culture and stuff. So we don't have to be like ah the the, the way they change tune uh, in that in that <laughs> song. Ooh, you hear you hear them strings. Um, I don't think either of these albums really have string sections, but I mean, we can certainly take that approach if you want to. No, I just so, don't know if it'll be that entertaining. No, I I wouldn't want to do that. Therefore, um, I don't see anyone else. Um, so yeah, that's that's that then. Um, two worthy, two very good albums there. Um, the hip takes over Lance Morris. Check little pill. So yeah, there's that. Um, looking forward into next week. We're looking to take on City and Colors, Bring Me Your Love, going up against Rush's Moving Pictures. We are uh, really doing the, <laughs> we're really doing this Canadian album thing. It's uh it's a real, real deal here. So yeah. Um yeah. I just wanna I think, oh sorry, go for it. I, I I said no. I was talking about the cranberries twice, made me think of their big hits zombie. I'm a big fan of dreams though. You should listen dreams to dreams really people good. out there. Yeah. Uh, so it's a good song. Yeah. I, I was literally just looking at the cranberries right now. I was like, dreams is a good song. Yeah, what, what do you got? Oh no. I, I, I actually kind of not forget, but I think next week will easily be the most difficult matchup that we've had to talk about for me. Um, I, I agree. Out of, out of everything I think we will talk about and every, everything that we have. Um, mm-hmm. to be honest with you for the past three weeks, I've been falling asleep with bring me your love in my ears. And, um, then today I was just on a rush kick again and I'm like, Ooh, I'm not going to enjoy this episode. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. We, we keep talking about how like short these are going to be moving forward, but they might, they might get longer as, uh, yeah. the, the matchups get tougher, but yeah. Hey, 40 minutes here. Not bad. Yeah. We, uh, we really took sleep and we got stuck with Daft Punk at the beginning, um, which is, which is fun. Maybe we'll do a little bit of that. Not, not too much. Cause I don't, we don't need to bore people with <laughs> random thoughts. Um, 
But if only I see exclusively any... Daft Punk, <laughs> we're only going to talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about Daft Punk next week, too. Um, everyone do their homework. Listen to Around the World. Um, good song by Daft Punk. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so, yeah. What do you think, dear listener? Tragically Hip, Atlantis Morissette. Did we get it wrong? Let us know. <laughs> you can reach out. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna throw to the Instagram just as like a fun little thing, but I I'm pretty sure it's GCS underscore. I, think, I can't I remember what it is. I can't remember what I made. I think it's GC Songbook. Like yeah, I think you're right. At GC Songbook. And where else can we now be found, Jackson Wells? You can find us on any podcast platform of your choice. Probably it's definitely on Spotify. I've checked that, um, but it should be on everything else. So if you're a big Pockets Cast fan, you can listen there. Uh, if you like oh, yeah. Podbean, check us out there. Yeah. Um, Stitcher. Uh, I'm trying to think of podcast I apps. Think there's, so yeah, yeah. There, there's a there's a lot of them, but you should be able to. Um, if not, it's a very easy for us to just put in a little link there, and it'll be added there. But yeah, so. Let's say you're unable to listen live at seven o'clock every Friday. Um, you can check us out um, on any of those services. We're still on the Radio Laureate website, of course, as well, if you uh, are a big fan of web browsers. But mm-hmm. I figure it might be easier for people to check us out um, <laughs> on the preferred podcast platform. But yeah, F- five stars. <laughs> Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Oh my God, we can do that now? I don't think you can like things uh, no. in podcasts, but close enough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, check us out there. Um, or you've already gone through an episode of this show on there, so this is redundant. Um, yeah, but I yeah. Feel like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, Keegan, do you have any any final words on this or anything else? Um, Mill Street Organic, very good. Um, you should drink it. Just don't. Oh wait, don't support Mill Street because there's a whole hip thing going on right now. Never mind. I take it back. Ignore the comment. I remember this. Yeah. Uh, wheat something or well they have the 100th meridian mill yes, street blogger but the thing is they didn't it's not in partnership with the hip and people associate 100th meridian in canada with the hip and mm-hmm. so they're arguing that which i agree with but they're arguing that like ah oh, they're it's, taking our thing yeah. i shouldn't have bought this i don't um, know i'm supporting them i, was I love you tragically hip i was gonna say support good canadian uh products but maybe not um what are the brewing he, here is here is my final note uh, for this show. <laughs> Just because it's Canadian doesn't mean it's good. <laughs> With that, oh Canada, have a great night. <laughs>